You want to pray for your kids, don't it? I know it does me. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I read one time where a mother is the only person who can get up before dawn, do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the laundry, all the meals, all the taxiing, amen ladies, all the laundry, all the cleaning, be the last one to go to bed, find time to eat whenever she can, and still manage to gain five pounds in a month, amen ladies? <clears throat> that kind of describes mothers today. Busyness. We talked in our small group about cultural, a few weeks ago, about cultural uh, challenges moms face today. And one of the things that was prevalent was busyness. And uh, I thought that was pretty good. That kind of describes my wife, I know, as a mother. Today in 2 Timothy, we're going to look at the impact of a mother and a grandmother. And just to preface the, the message this morning... What I want you to think about today, and of course this applies to mothers and grandmothers, but as a parent, a grandfather, you can certainly look at some of the principles we'll look at today and ask yourself the question, if I could pose one question today for you to think about, is ask yourself this, am I leaving a heritage for my children and grandchildren, or am I just leaving good memories? There's a difference. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. The Bible says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the, prison, to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then verse 5 is our text verse today. Listen to these words that the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, one of his protégés, if you would, that was used greatly by God. What does he say to Timothy in verse 5? He says this, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy, what church? Grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. I'm going to read that verse one more time. Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Here Paul is beginning to charge Timothy. He's beginning to exhort Timothy. Timothy would go on to do great things for God. And one of the things that strikes me when we think about Timothy, most people give most of the credit to Paul for influencing Timothy's life. And he did have a great influence. But it's interesting to me that Paul gives the credit to Timothy's mother and grandmother. So we immediately see in this small passage here the impact that a mother or a grandmother can have in the life of a child. I'm going to share some things later this morning about my mother. She is 78 years old and still alive and starting to have some health issues, but... 
She is an impactful mother in my life. She is no doubt, I'm going to share her testimony with you in a few minutes, she is leaving me a heritage of faith. I'm thankful today. Hey, by the way, if you're here today and you have a parent or grandparents that, that is leaving you a heritage of faith, you need to praise God for that. Hey, church, if you're here today and you got a godly mama or a godly grandma or a godly daddy or a godly grandfather, you need to praise the Lord today because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm going to share some things about that this morning. So as we look at the Apostle Paul telling Timothy here that, that the faith that he sees in his life was impacted by his grandmother and his mother, a couple of foundational thoughts that are in your worship guide, and we'll get started, that I thought of are these. Number one, while beginning a relationship with God is based on individual faith, this passage does remind us that we have the responsibility to impact our children and grandchildren with our own faith. Did you get that? We have the responsibility to impact our children and our grandchildren with our own faith. I think that's important to note that, that Paul made that statement. We must realize, listen, we cannot, we cannot save our children, amen? But we can point them to the Savior. Did you get that this morning? You and I as parents, hey, we cannot save our kids. We can't get saved for our children, but we can point them to Christ. Foundational thought number two. While a relationship with God cannot be passed down, a heritage of faith can be passed down. A relationship with God cannot be passed down, but a heritage of faith can. You see, God saves us one at a time. We each have our own individual relationship with God. The Old Testament was a picture of that as, as one man would go into the Holy of Holies one at a time, one man. That, that was a picture of New Testament grace when God would tell us you get saved one at a time. See, God don't have any grandchildren, all children. But a heritage of faith can be passed down. A heritage of faith can. So the question today that I've got in your worship guide is how did Lois and Eunice leave a heritage of faith for Timothy? What was their formula, if you would, for as a mother and a grandmother, what was their formula for leaving this heritage of faith, this, this life that would point Timothy to Christ, this life that would let him know that it's worth it to give your life to God? What was it they did that would allow him to have this heritage of faith? Well, number one today in your worship guide as well, and I'm, y'all pray for me, amen? I'm trying to follow, I'm trying to learn how to preach with a worship guide, amen? God help us. I spent 20 years of my life just preaching, so y'all pray for me. I'm trying to become more polished and following a worship guide. So if I, if I miss a blank, just act like, just write something in there, amen? <clears throat> Don't tell preacher, though. Number one, they were determined. How did they do it, Brother Butch? Number one, they were determined to overcome the disadvantages. They were determined to overcome the disadvantages. Turn to Acts chapter 16. What were some of the disadvantages that Timothy would face? Acts chapter 16. 
Acts chapter 16, verse 1, if you want to follow along with me, the Bible says this, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. So here we find Timothy back in the book of Acts. The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. The first thing they did to allow Timothy to have a heritage of faith, they were determined, listen, to overcome the disadvantage, uh, the disadvantages that Timothy would face. What were those disadvantages? I'm going to let you fill in the blanks here, and then we're going to preach a little bit. First of all, this thought, hey, there's always going to be obstacles in the path of growing faith. There's always going to be obstacles in the path of growing faith. The other, the next point is this. Timothy's father was Greek. Let's look just for a moment this morning at some of the disadvantages Timothy faced. Number one, his father was Greek, which means he would face racial bias. The Jews would ostracize him. His mother was a Jewish, but his daddy was a Greek. The Bible indicates that his daddy was lost because it said in those verses, his mother was a believer. doesn't say that about his dad. So the first disadvantage we see for Timothy that his mother and grandmother had to, on purpose, overcome was racial bias. What other things do we see? Well, strike one was he was, he was a Greek. That was strike one. His daddy was a Greek. You know, some of our kids, when they go into the world, people are going to put strike one on them because of something in their life. They're going to say strike one. Hey, we got to teach our kids to overcome some things. Let me lay a little foundation here this morning. As I think about, as I think about Lois and Eunice, hey, teaching Timothy that overcoming, they just sang a song about overcoming, Amen. I think our kids need to understand that if they're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's about overcoming. Hey, church, it's about teaching our children that overcoming is the Christian life. Oh, they, they had some disadvantages. His father was a Greek. There was racial bias. The Bible says, strike two, he was uncircumcised. Big deal back then, amen? Under Jewish law. If you were uncircumcised, you could not even go into the temple to learn about God. Timothy, obviously, in his early age, before he met Paul, was not circumcised and would not be allowed into the temple to learn about God. Strike two had disadvantages. One of the things that jumped out of me about this is even though Timothy was not allowed in the temple to learn about God, is that his mother and his grandmother, hey, took the position, hey, whether you can go to the temple or not, we're going to teach you about God. I think it shows us the importance, hey, that the relationship that our children have with God starts at home, Mom and Dad. It starts at home. I'm all for churches that supplement and support our efforts to teach our children about God. We have a great one here at Gospel Light, but it starts at home. Strike two, he was uncircumcised. He would have some disadvantages. He couldn't go into the temple and hear the priest like some of the other kids. Strike three, it's in your notes. He would be rejected by the religious crowd. 
because of his Greek father and his uncircumcision when he was born, he would be rejected by the Pharisees. He would be rejected by the religious crowd. He would face rejection. Hey, from day one, he would face some tough times when it came to his pursuit of God. Strike three, was he would face some rejection. Hey, the deck was stacked against him. Hey, before he even got started, the deck was stacked against him. He had some disadvantages. He had some obstacles on his path to know God. He had some challenges, hey, facing him. But he had one huge advantage. He had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. And all the people said, hey, man, hey, man. If your mama's with you today and she has influenced you for the glory of God, you need to be thankful for that. You need to praise the Lord for that. He had an advantage. It was a godly mother and a godly grandmother. I see several things here just to consider. Number one, the, the opportunity to influence my kids. and, and not, I'm glad that the Bible pointed out that his grandmother was the first one Paul saw the faith in. Because I'm a grandparent now, amen? Man, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I've got Pax in my little two-year-old, just Dynamo, and Emmy, my little 10 or 11-month-old now. And Emmy's, <clears throat> Emmy is uh, learning to be mobile, amen? It's interesting. Two months ago, I could put Emmy in the center of the living room, put pillows. All of y'all done this too, so don't get spiritual on me, amen? Put pillows all the way around them. And put her right in the middle of all the pillows, and I, I, she was good for two hours, amen. The other day I set her down, she's crawling everywhere. The other day I set her down and go get the mail. Good night, she's on the opposite end of the house by the time I get back in. But I'm glad that Paul said, I noticed this faith first in your grandmother. Hey, I, I'm thankful I'm going to have the opportunity to influence my grandchildren. I'm thankful I'm going to have the opportunity to influence uh, their faith, to make a difference in their life when it comes to their relationship with God. They're going to have to have their own relationship, but I can impact it. I'm also looking at this today thinking it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. We're going to look just a minute about some things we're going to have to overcome. It's not going to be easy. The world will try to pull our children today. The world is pulling our children, trying to pull our children into a carnal life. We live in a world, a very dangerous world when it comes to our young people being drawn into carnality, drawn into materialism. We're living in a dangerous world today where our world will teach our kids it's okay to go to church, but just don't put Jesus first. It's okay to be a member of a church, but just don't sell out. Like Timothy, others will always question our commitment and be watching for us to fall, waiting for us to fall, some even hoping for us to fall in our efforts to raise our kids right for God. Listen, parents, moms, grandmothers, listen. Getting saved, your children getting saved as a result of God's commitment to them. Leaving a heritage of faith is a result of our commitment to God. So the first thing we see is there were some disadvantages. We just listed several strikes against Timothy. His dad was a Greek. He was uncircumcised. He was rejected. Timothy had some disadvantages, and so do we, Mom and Dad. So do we, grandparents. 
We have some disadvantages today. The influence of the world, the carnal desires, the potential rejection that Timothy faced, our kids face today, the potential isolation. We have to remember something this morning. The Apostle Paul said what? He said, I press toward the mark. We're reminded today that this thing of living the Christian life is, is a struggle. It's a challenge. It's not easy. I just think it's important that we teach our children at a young age. Hey, the Bible tells us later in this chapter that Timothy was, was a child when his mom and his grandma used to talk to him about God. And one of the things I know they taught him is, Hey, Timothy, this is not going to be an easy road. The road you choose to surrender to God, the road you choose to set out to God, it's going to be a hard road. And I think our kids need to know that. I think the more we teach them that and the more we train them to realize that while this life can be very victorious and very fulfilling, hey, Jesus teaches us over and over again, it's a way of suffering. It's a way of suffering. Paul said, I press toward the mark. He didn't say I coast or I casually pursue. No, he reminded Timothy of the unfeigned faith that he saw in his grandmother and in his mother. And that word unfeigned means sincere. means sincere. If you're taking notes, that's a good word to learn. It means that the, the faith of, of Lois and Eunice was real. It was real. A heart focused on knowing God, determined through faith to overcome these obstacles. You and I will face these same challenges. It would have been easy for Lois and Eunice, hey, with all of the obstacles they faced in the life of this grandchild and this child, it would have been easy for them to say, hey, Timothy, just do the best you can. Do the best you can. We'll be here for you if you need us. Hey, Timothy, we're praying for you. We love you, son. We're going to be here for you. But they chose to do more than that. They chose to dedicate themselves to God, to dedicate themselves to the Word of God, the Old Testament at that time. They chose on purpose to leave a heritage of faith for their children and their grandchildren. On purpose. On purpose. Because there was a lot of obstacles. A lot of them. My mother... I mentioned earlier, she's 78 years old. I wrote, down some, I wrote down some things. It's not easy raising kids. Amen, church? It's not easy. It's not easy. Good night, it's a challenge. You wonder sometimes, are they ever going to move? Amen? Are they ever going to go? Gonna... It's a challenge. My mother... My mother, I'm going to share some of her testimony with you. The more I think about her testimony, the more I, I'm amazed about this heritage of faith that I have for my mom today. And I'll get to see her tonight after church tonight. I'm going to drive and spend some time with her. My mother, at the age of seven, her dad left for World War II. Now, don't let that make you think I'm old. Amen. She had me like when she was 70 or something. I can't even remember. But... At the age of seven, her dad left for World War II. Now, the reason that was a focal point in her life is she still to this day talks about how close she was to her dad. Very difficult time in her life as a seven-year-old little girl to see her dad go off to World War II, and he was gone for four years. So she didn't see her dad for four years. And by the way, back then, there were no Internet. There were no... She didn't see just through letter only could even hear from her dad. 
At the age of 11, my mother came home from school and there was a note on the table that her mama had left her that she had left the family. The age of 11. My dad, her dad, my grandfather had been back from, I told you four years, so this was four years later, a month after her dad got back from war, her mother left. Her mother just left. There was a note telling her that she was gone. And so what happened back then, back in, this was in the 40s, I learned this too, amen, is she was the oldest. And the oldest girl of the home, if mama was gone, became mama. My mama did all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the clothing, getting her brothers and sisters ready. She became, her dad basically gave her that role of becoming mom. She had some tremendous disadvantages, some obstacles. A year later when she was 12, and my, by the way, my mother just shared all this with me just a few years ago. A year later when she was 12, overwhelmed by the responsibility as a 12-year-old girl, she ran away from home. She hitchhiked to Texas, got into some problems down there, and within six months was back in Arkansas. She spent two more years being the mom back at home. Then, this is going to blow you away, at the age of 14, she got married. Now, I heard that's common back then. I don't know. I heard it wasn't uncommon for a girl to get married very young back then, but she got married. She got married, and by the time she was 26, she had six children. Still a young woman, really, in my mind. Had six children. And here's what's funny. She told me this. She said, and when I was, when I was at that age, she said there were two other siblings living with us and all their children. She said there were 25 people living in our house. My mama had some obstacles to overcome. This is really funny. The day the other two families moved out of their house and it was just her and my dad and the six siblings that I have, the day they all moved out, my dad and mom were alone for the first time. Nine months later, Brother Butch came along. Amen. Hey, let me tell you something. I know I'm an accident. <laughs> Nobody that has six children says, let's have another one. Amen. <laughs> hey, she had a lot of disadvantages. Hey, hey, having to grow up at a young age, she had some disadvantages. Hey, with, with just the things she went through, a mom that left her, Hey, having to grow up, all the children, hey, getting married at a young age. But one thing happened in my mama's life. A bus captain came by my house, hey, when I was very young, and led my mama and my brother to Jesus. And my mama did not make excuses for her past. My mom did not make excuses for the things she had been through. I didn't even know about it till a couple of years ago. Hey, my mom got saved and she began to leave a heritage of faith for her children. It wasn't easy. Everybody on both sides of my family were alcohol users and tobacco users. Hey, you name it, they did it before she got saved. But my mom is changing that legacy. 
I'm telling you, she's leaving me her hair to your face. She showed me, hey, how important it was to love God. She overcame her heartache. She overcame her pain. She overcame her past. And she has poured God in my life for the last almost 30 years. Hey, she's made a difference in my life spiritually. I'm telling you, mamas out there that don't have a good past. Hey, I'm telling you, mamas out there that have got a past that's full of pain and brokenness and addiction. Hey, that you don't have a heritage of faith. Looking back in your life, you don't have that heritage of faith. You can still leave one for your kids. See, sometimes we use the excuse, well, my past, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Some of y'all need to, hey, my mama, I look at it this way. My mama broke the curse in my life. Some of y'all need to break the curse. Some of y'all have small children, and when you look back at your own life, you feel like you were rejected. You feel like you missed out. You feel like you didn't have a, a home that was normal. You feel like, hey, you were in a home that was dysfunctional. Hey, you feel like, man, I, I just have a lot of disadvantages. I'm just going to do the best I can with my kids. Hey, why don't you choose to leave your children a heritage of faith and break the curse in your family? Some of y'all need to break the curse. You need to say, hey, things are going to be different for my kids than they were for me. Things are going to be different. I'm going to make sure things are different, Brother Butch. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave my kids a heritage of faith. Even though I was not left one, I'm going to make things different for my kids. Oh, I'm telling you, they overcame the, the disadvantages. Real quickly this morning, number two, what else did they do to leave this heritage of faith? I think this is in your notes. They were determined to set the right example of loving God. They were determined to set the right example of loving God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, without turning there, the Bible says this. And by the way, we're going to learn in just a moment that, that they taught Timothy the Scriptures. In this day, they would have taught him the Old Testament. But they taught him in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, no doubt, without turning there, but you can write it down in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I believe it's verses 4 through 7 or 8, somewhere in there. But basically, they taught him the law. And in those verses, it says something very interesting. It says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And then it says this. It's telling you to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then it says this. Teach that to your kids. Teach that to your kids. It's not telling you to teach your kids to love God. It's telling you to teach your kids, hey, that it's worth it to love God because of how much you love God. The command there is to love the Lord your God. It's for you and I to love Him. And then for that to show up in our life with our children. For them to see how much we love God. Hey, it's important to note that our kids need to see it in our life first. Hey, our kids can spot a fake, amen? Hey, this was unfeigned faith. Remember what that word meant? Sincere. This was real. Timothy would look at his mother and his grandmother, and by the way, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. They weren't, they weren't a perfect example, but they were a right example. They were a right example. He could look at their life and he could make sure and he could see the fact that it was real. It was not a facade. It was genuine. It was authentic. It was unfeigned faith. They made sure, in your notes, they made sure that their actions 
matched their words. They made sure, Mama, that you didn't just tell them one thing and do something different. Amen. The greatest message we'll ever preach to our children is with our life, not with our words. It's what they see in our life. Oh, I believe Lois and Eunice made sure that, that the things they taught, they matched with their life. They, they, were, they were giving him a consistent testimony. What they said is what they lived. I think one of the reproaches of the church today is God's people are not living what we say we believe. Do we tell our kids to love God and then lose our temper every day with them? Do we tell our kids to love God and become a bad example in front of them? Are our words matching our life? Is there consistency there? I believe it was in the life of Timothy. Secondly, they demonstrated their faith before they preached it. They demonstrated it. I believe Timothy could see Christ in their life. I believe Timothy could look at their life and see that it was worth it to serve God. Listen to me, church. Our children need to be able to look at us and say it's worth it to give your life to Christ. It's worth it to love the Lord. It's worth it to put Him first place. When they look at your life, do your children see the fact that it's worth it to put God first? It's worth it. Or is it just something we tell them to do? I'm going to tell you something with my oldest son who, y'all pray for him. We're going to court tomorrow to see about his future. And some of you know the details, some of you don't. That's not important. But I can tell you one of the mistakes I made with my oldest son is I spent way too much time telling him what to do spiritually and not enough time showing him. I've learned from my mistakes. I'm trying to show my other three children just by example just by example of saying the right things, of responding the right way. I'm learning in my discipline to admonish them and not punish them. By the way, it's a whole other message, but I've learned in disciplining our children, the Bible's a whole lot more about correction than it is punishment. I'm learning as a father to to make sure I live what I say I believe. I'm trying to learn to be consistent with my testimony Oh, mom and dad, listen to me today. I believe Timothy had one advantage. It was a mom and a grandma whose life was consistent with what they preached to him. Their life demonstrated what they believed. They didn't just say it. They lived it. And they left him a heritage of faith. They understood your next point. The most important thing they could do for Timothy was not tell him to love God, but to show him how much they loved God. Show him. Show him. Oh, I think it's so important that we note that. I believe they invested in him. Thirdly today, how else did they leave a heritage of faith? Thirdly today, this, I believe this is your next point. Very simple one, but a very impactful one. They were knowledgeable of the scriptures. They were knowledgeable of the scriptures. Mom and dad, let me encourage you today. If you don't know the word of God, you, hey, you're at a disadvantage with your children. Amen, preacher. If you're not spending time in God's word, know, hey, how do we get to know God? By knowing his word. 
Say, Brother Butch, I, I'd like to get to know more about God. You need to spend time in the Bible. They were knowledgeable of the Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, real quickly this morning. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul says this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast what? Learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We clearly see a verse here where the Bible says that Lois and Eunice, from a child, taught Timothy the scriptures. And again, I'll confess this morning, as my children were younger, even as a pastor, I realized I did not do enough scripture training with my kids. Hey, we can't do enough scripture training with our children. Amen, church? I think being knowledgeable of the scriptures is a huge responsibility that I need to take more seriously. <coughs> this heritage of faith, no doubt that mother and grandmother had taught him in the Old Testament scriptures, impacted his life. As they went through the scriptures with young Timothy, there's no doubt it impacted him as they taught him about God's creation from the very beginning in the Old Testament about God's power through creation. And as they went through the stories of the Word of God, no doubt as they taught him about Jonah and the importance of obedience to God. No doubt as they taught him about King David and the importance of submission and faith. And also as they taught him about King David, they could teach him this, that you will fail at times, but when you fail, God does not give up on you God will raise you up and use you again. As they taught him about Elijah and the power of God that was available. As they taught him about the prophecy of Isaiah. Hey, where one day in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he, we were told he would be born of a virgin. And he would be a counselor, a prince of peace, an everlasting father. Hey, we were told that he would be despised and rejected of men. Our Savior, back in Isaiah, was prophesied. Hey, this is real, church. Hey, he would be rejected and despised, a man of sorrows. He would bear our griefs. He would die and rise again as we celebrated. They taught him about prophecy about Jesus before he ever came. They taught him that a relationship with Christ is real because it was real in their life. The Scriptures were real to them. They were knowledgeable of God's Word. Oh, we can do our children and our grandchildren a huge favor, and that's by learning God's Word. Are we teaching them, listen church, are we teaching our children that a relationship with Christ is tied to a church service? Or do we teach them that a relationship with Christ is a lifelong surrender of ourself. Too many children grew up in where a relationship with God was connected to church service when it should be that a relationship with God is every day. Every day. It shouldn't be tied to a building. Amen? Does our life say that? Does our life say that? Does my life tell my teenage daughter and my teenage son that a relationship with God is real? Hey, and it satisfies, it's fulfilling. 
There's obstacles to overcome. It's not going to be easy. If you surrender to God, it's going to be very, very difficult, but it's worth it. I want my kids to believe that it's worth it to serve God. Do they believe that in your life? Or do we throw in the towel when things get tough? Do we complain? Do we lose our sanity? Do we fall apart? Do we panic? Or do our kids see our faith? One of the things that I'm convinced is my kids should notice my faith. They should notice it. Have you ever noticed anybody's faith? There's some people in our church I've noticed their faith. I've noticed Miss Karina's faith. I've noticed it. Miss Karina, I want you to know personally today your faith has impacted my life. It's impacted me. I'm noticing the faith of others who've gone through trials in our church. It's impacted me. Can my children look at my life and say, My daddy's faith has impacted my life? Will my grandchildren one day to say, one day say, Papa was fun and Papa was fun to be with, or will they say, My Papa left me a heritage of faith? Are we going to leave memories to our kids and our grandkids, or are we going to leave a heritage? They were knowledgeable of Scripture. Real quickly, three benefits of knowing Scripture. Number one, a foundation of truth. A foundation of truth. The Word of God is truth. We can tell our children, you can always go to the Word of God and get the truth. Amen? If you're doubting something, if you're wondering about the legitimacy of something, you can find out the truth in God's Word. I'm confident of that. Number two, a guide for making decisions. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet a light into my path. I want my teenage daughter to know who's fixing to move and go to college. Hey, if she's ever struggling in an area, the Word of God can direct her path. The Word of God can guide her. If mom and dad are not here, and by the way, mom and dad, you're not always going to be here. While we can leave a heritage of faith, listen, they better not be riding your coattails when it comes to their relationship with God because when you're gone, they're going to be gone too. I want them to know that the Word of God will guide their life. It'll help their life make sense. And long after Dad's gone, long after Papa's gone, hey, they can can rest in the anchor of God's Word. I want my kids to know that God's Word should be a big deal in their life. But it's not going to be if it's not a big deal in mine. Are we knowledgeable of the Scriptures? Maybe some here today would say, hey, the fact is, is I need to know God more. I need to spend more time in my Bible so that I can affect my kids and my grandkids. Also, number three, the Scriptures, one of the benefits of the Scriptures, power over sin. That's right. You say, Brother Butch, you can't, hey, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I want my kids to know and I want your kids to know and my grandbabies to know this, that sin is real. It'll destroy their life. Hey, it'll take them down, the Bible says, to a pit. But I want them to know this. If they'll plant the Word of God in their heart, they can have power over sin in their life. Knowing Scripture is how we get to know God lastly today. And I like this. Eunice and Lois, hey, They invested. They taught Timothy the scriptures. They set a good example. Man, they tried to do everything they knew to do to 
influenced Timothy because he had a lot of disadvantages. But I believe in the end, this, they were willing to let go when they had to. They were willing to let go. Mama, sometimes you got to let go, amen? Some of us have seniors graduating in a couple of weeks. i got to let her go. Not going to be easy, is it? Tony, Marcia, y'all got to let go. Some of you other ones, I know Brother John Johnson's daughter's graduating, and I don't want to miss anybody, but we got to let go. I don't want to let go, amen? I don't know about y'all parents, I don't want to let go. See, I, I'm blessed. I got a lot of connections in Mississippi, so I've already got surveillance set up on Taylor. <laughs> I've got connections, amen? She gets in trouble, I'll be the first one to know about it, not the last, amen? No, I got to let go. I got to let go. They were willing to let Timothy have his own relationship with God. That's your next point. They were willing to let Timothy have his own. Hey, I want my children to have their own relationship with God. Amen, church? Our kids may worship a little differently than we do. I think we're seeing that in our transition right now. I love it, amen? I love it. I want my children to have an independent relationship with God apart from mine. Hey, they can't live off my spirituality. They need their own relationship with God. They need their own personal devotions. Hey, there's nothing like walking into the room of your 10-year-old son, Logan, and seeing him have a devotion without me telling him to. That's what it's all about. I want them to grow in grace on their own. Oh, I want to influence them. I want to leave them a heritage of faith. I want to be a good example. But I cannot save my kids. I can only point them to Jesus. Grandma James was in our church in Pine Bluff for years. Sonia will remember this story. Grandma James had a huge family. Good night, they would fill up two or three pews sometime. The James family would sit toward the back and two or three pews would be full of Jameses. But it struck me when Grandma James died and within six months there was nobody back there. I don't want that. I want my children to have a strong relationship with God that if dad ever fell off the wagon, hey, it may disappoint them, but they just keep serving Christ. Have their own relationship. They were willing to let go. They were willing to let Timothy have his own relationship. Secondly, they realized God had much better plans for Timothy than they did. Oh, I want our young people to know today, God's got much bigger plans for your life than you do. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. And lastly, they knew one day Timothy would stand before God alone. Alone. Our kids need to understand something. As they grow, they will give an account to God for themselves. You're not going to be able to stand with them, Mom and Dad. You're not going to be able to stand with them at the judgment seat. They better have their own relationship with God. I hope at the judgment seat my, my kids don't say, well, I, I, I tried to do what Dad did. Or I... No, I hope they have their own relationship with God and judged on their own works. 
and not dependent on mine. I want my children to know in front of the whole church they need to sell out to God themselves. I need to be an example. I need to set the pace. I need to be a spiritual leader in their life. But their relationship with God should be independent from mine. Hey, what about it, Mom? You say, well, Brother Butch, i got a lot of disadvantages. i got a lot of pain in my past. Hey, some of you need to break the curse today and commit to God. It's going to be different for my kids. It's going to be different for my children. Some of you need to say it's going to be different for my grandbabies. It's going to be different. I'm starting a new heritage. I'm not just going to leave my kids' memories. I'm going to leave them a heritage. Some of you need today to just say, hey, I want my kids to have their own relationship with God. I'm going to pray about that. Some today may say, hey, I need to learn more about the Scriptures. When my kids ask me questions about the Scriptures, it's okay not to know everything, but we ought to know some things. God help us if every time our kids ask us a question about God and we can't ever answer it. Do we need to know more about God's Word? What about it, Mama? What about it, Grandma? Lois and Eunice impacted Timothy before Paul ever met him. We give all the credit to Paul, and Paul was a magnificent influence in his life, in training especially. But I'm telling you, the stage was set because of mother and grandmother. What about it, Mama? Hey, are you going to leave a heritage? Hey, 50 years after you're gone, are they going to be able to just talk about a few memories? Or are they going to talk about your faith? I want to leave a heritage of faith for my kids and my grandkids. Every head bowed, every eye closed.